Wow, so we're created for worship. We're also created for relationship, and that's kind of what this series is all about, Better Together, and you know, you see that that ichthus, that fish that you see on the back of people's cars, and you see it here, and, and, and you know, you wonder, is that just a symbol for, it is a symbol for Christianity. Um, originally, that was a symbol to someone else that you believed the same thing. You know, early on in the early life of the church, people were being killed for believing in Jesus and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And they needed a way that they could communicate with one another sort of secretly. And that's one of the ways in which they could recognize that they were talking to someone who believed the same as they did. They would draw that half circle in the sand with their finger or a stick or their foot. And and if the other person that they were talking to knew what that was, they would draw the the half circle on the other side of that and it would make the sign of a fish and they knew that that we are in this together, that, that we believe the same thing, that Jesus is our Messiah. And and life is it's better together. We've all had moments where we've been lonely or we've been we've felt alone and and that's because I mean we were created for relationship. Life is better Together and, and as Christ followers, we've been adopted into the family of God. We are a part of the body of Christ. Uh, two weeks ago, we uh, specifically looked at, at baptism. We talked about that. We, we saw, we celebrated that together as a community. We saw 13 people follow Jesus' very own example to us being baptized two weeks ago. Last week, we focused on communion. This, this ordinance, this, this command that Jesus gave us to remember, because quite honestly, we're human beings. We forget things rather quickly. And we need a reminder once a month, for some once a week, for some once a year, whatever their tradition is, to remember, to, to significantly take a moment and celebrate and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And last week, we also saw how Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, washed the feet, served his disciples, all of his disciples. Judas, the one who would betray him with a kiss, he washed his feet. The, the, the disciple who, who would betray him by disowning him three times, he washed his feet. They all ran for fear. They dispersed. We all can find a place at that last supper table with the disciples. And yet Jesus washes our feet as well. He came to serve us. And and then last week, as as a symbol of of our recognizing that, that we need Jesus to do the heavy lifting in our life, we wrote down things that were in the way of, of our relationship with Christ. We wrote down um, maybe it was a sin, maybe it was, maybe it was a doubt that we had in our life on a piece of paper, and, and we symbolically nailed those to the cross, representing that, that we are putting those things on Jesus' shoulders. He is the one. He is the one who can do the impossible. The impossible. 
when we need to trust him for that. The, the passage that we're springboarding from in this series is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Roy's going to put it up on the screen for us this morning. Let me just read that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe in the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And as we saw two weeks ago, those numbers who were daily being added, who were being saved, were being baptized and, and we see here that they met together, they, they broke bread together, they fellowshiped, they remembered the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then today, we see in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. In verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the courts, in the temple courts, praising God. What does that look like for us today in this century? They were filled with awe, uh, many wonders. They were praising God. You know, it wasn't the disciples who they were in awe of. It was the power of God through the disciples that they were in awe of. And we worship because he is worthy. Our English word worship means worth-ship. It means the, the object that we are praising is worthy of that praise. We worship God because he is worthy. I am not worthy of worship. I don't have that kind of worth, as, as are all the other mad man-made things in the world. Yet we do worship many things in addition to God, just like the bumper video mentioned. We, and we prove our worship to those things in the amount of time, in the amount of money, in the amount of energy that we spend and invest in those things. You know, we invest pretty serious passions and emotions in things, don't we? That, that, become, that can become idols in our life. Um, that, that can become the reason for, for, for living. You know, maybe it's the weekend that you worship and, and, and everything you do in the course of Monday through Friday is looking forward to Friday at five o'clock. I, I don't know what it is. There's so many things that fit into this. Idols of the carnal world, things under the sun. Football, teams, athletes, companies, corporations, Recreational activities, material things, boats, RVs, cars, trucks, vacations, homes. Some types of relationships even fall into that. But you're thinking, but Pastor David, wait a minute. I've never gone out into the driveway and bowed down before my car or my pickup. Have, have you ever heard someone say he worships the ground that she walks on? Right? Um, many times we do things that we don't recognize as worship, and they are. And I told, I, we were listening to the Wyoming Cowboys, not yesterday, but last week, and it was a terror, you know, if you listen to it, the first three quarters were, I almost shut it off, but then I didn't. 
And then they, 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 right, they started getting some traction. They started playing well. And I looked at my wife and I said, that play right there just gave me the goosebumps. Okay, well, wait a minute. Right? Somebody just said, wow. Was that you? I'm not saying don't cheer for your favorite team. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying, though, is we need to do introspection and see if we are more passionate, more committed financially, more committed with time and energy to the things of this world than we are our creator. And and that was a moment of clarity for me. Not that I'll never have goosebumps over a play on a football field again, because I probably will. Okay? But is that the only place that, that, that I'm investing my passions? Um, did anybody watch the football game Thursday night, the first game of the NFL? Raise your hand if you did, because I want to see. I want to see who watched it. Yeah, yeah, it was the Bills versus the Rams, right? Um, and, and I uh, did any, why? Why would you watch the Bills versus the Rams? Seriously. We live in Wyoming. I mean, we're, this is Bronco country for the most part. I get there are other teams represent. What? Josh Allen. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course. Yes. Why are we so high on the horse of Josh Allen? Is, is it, could, why are we so attracted to a quarterback? Bonnie's like, who is Josh Allen? Praise God you don't have to bear that cross and give that up. Oh, it was Rob, by the way. Oh, sorry. Still not bearing that cross. You have other crosses to bear. I know. He was born and raised in California. He's not even a Wyoming guy. But he played for the Wyoming Cowboys, didn't he? And, and, and he continues to this day to endear himself to the state of Wyoming. Because, right, you see number 17 in the, even the television on Thursday night showed a guy sitting in the stadium with, brown, with a brown and gold jersey on with the number 17. And everybody in Wyoming watching that went, woohoo, Wyoming is on the map. See, it, it becomes important to us. You know, and, and he, he I, I read an article this week, and the, the writer was referring to Allen being uh, passed over, actually, by the Denver Broncos. Because they had a chance to draft him, and they, they chose not to. And he says, nobody was mad to see him go to the Bills. I've been to Buffalo numerous times myself, and I think we're kind of kindred spirits here. Hardworking, tough people, cold weather. We love our sports. We love our teams, and we follow them to the end. I see a, I've seen Husker jer- shirts in the room today. And, and honestly, these days, I might be a little bit embarrassed to wear that. Because <laughs> they're just not doing that well. But, but, and, and I know people who live and die whose attitude lives and breathes on wh- how their sports team did the day before. Right? Those are red flags, all right? We, we need to do some introspection when it comes to that. Um, he says, this author goes on to say, I think that just made perfect sense that Josh Allen would be in Buffalo. It's not uncommon here to see number 17 jerseys everywhere. Uh, the other thing, he goes on to say, that made it so big for us 
is Josh embraced Wyoming. Wyoming, of course, was the school to give him a scholarship offer, the only one, and he embraced this. He embraced our place, he embraced our people, and Wyoming fans are gonna embrace him until the end of time. And that love for the Cowboys has never left Allen, which fans in Wyoming will respect as well. When, when he introduced himself Thursday night, at the tail end of his little thing that he said, he said, go Pokes. Now, we're the only ones who would probably recognize what he's doing, but, but, but Every time he's on TV, it seems like there's something, some way that he endears himself to us. Um, you'll see they take a picture of Josh walking into the locker room in Orchard Park before games. You see him walk in wearing a Wyoming State flag on his hat. You see him wearing Wyoming Cowboy stuff when he's golfing. When he, when he was doing the match this summer with the other quarterbacks, he had Wyoming golf balls, stuff like that. That is so important, something that little... That little is so important to the people of this state that he embraced us and he hasn't forgotten where he came from. And, and we get sucked into that too. Look, I, 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 I want him to win the Super Bowl. I, seriously, I've never been a Bills fan before. Josh Allen became a Bill. And then I became a fan. So what we need to do is we need to step back and we need to say, I have passions where am I focusing those passions and why? In what things am I focusing those passions on? We need, to, we need to evaluate our lives and retrain ourselves to only worship who is worthy to be worshiped. And that's our God. Now, I'm not saying stop being interested in making, uh, in watching sports or any of that. I'm not saying stop being interested in making sound investments in real estate or, or spending a lot of time learning how to love our spouses and neighbors properly because those things actually can fit into worship. And Pastor Brandon next week is going to talk a little bit more about that as he looks at a passage in the book of Romans. So this morning, as we begin to dig into worship, I, I want to first give us a definition of what worship is. What, what, do, what actually is worship? And I, I caution in giving a definition because sometimes we hear a good, good one and we get stuck in it. We get stuck to it. Um, this isn't exhaustive and it's certainly not fi the final word, but I think it's a good springboard. So worship defined this morning. This is it. Worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, and body to what God is and says and does. That's worship. It can take many forms. Uh, you know, it's, it's our response to God. We respond to him by worshiping him. Now, our worship has both a mystical and a subjective side. There, there, there are objective things that we do when we worship. Raise our hands, serving other people. There are lots of things that fit into that category. There's also the, there's also the mystical side. There's an emotional side to worship. Right? Just like there's an emotional side to, to cheering for a team, for, for uh, cheering on our children, right? There, there is this emotional. We were created with emotions. Our obedience to God's will for us is part of worship. Um, and, and this objective side, it's knowing truth about God. 
And it's a loving response on our part to that truth. It's, it's balanced by fear and reverence of the Lord. And it's a, it's a deepening response that occurs as we get to know him better. Author Henry Blackaby says, To God, worship is so vital that to fail to experience genuine worship is fatal. Yet it is possible to go through life thinking we have worshipped without ever having done so. And, and my hope and prayer for us this morning is that, that we will have experienced genuine and true worship. And, and that may not be true of any of us that we haven't experienced it before. May we have a proper understanding of what it means to worship God and may it be a a part of our daily lives. Now, I've already alluded to this, but in addition to not worshiping God in a worthy manner, we can also get sucked into not into worshiping things that aren't worthy of our worship. And my hope today is to further our understanding of God's worthiness by pointing us to wonder of our God and King because worship involves wonder. Now, wonder is a priceless ingredient in worship. Right? Uh, some of you remember the song, Our God is an Awesome God. We sang that a lot in college, uh, in my early youth pastor days. We sang that song a lot. It's God is awe-inspiring. That's the real version of the word awesome, right? Um, Acts verse uh, verse. 43 in Acts chapter 2, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. God's power at work. Football games are not awesome. Okay? They might be great. They might be exciting. They are not awesome. Athletes are not awesome. I, though Garrett tells me every time he sees me, am not awesome. In the true definition of the word, I am not awe-inspiring. Though I've probably said this before, pizza isn't awesome either. I really, really, really like pizza. It is not awesome. It's good. Dare I say I even love it but that's a whole nother subject. Pizza does not create wonder in my inmost being unless it has pineapple on it and then I wonder what else somebody put in that pizza. That should not be there. Now, in our world of computer-generated graphics, rockets to space, we've walked on the moon, you know, what... It, sometimes you got to think, what, what is left to wonder about? I, we don't even wonder about things like, what's the population of a town? We just, it takes me 15 seconds to Google it, and I know. So I don't even wonder on the mystical side. I, I wonder, uh, but, but that's not the definition of wonder that we're going to see here in just a second. I wonder, I wonder, when is the last time you were in awe or wonder during a worship service? Of your God. I just wonder. I mean, isn't a lot of mystery, there isn't a lot of mystery in our lives. I mean, we know about God. 
right? We've studied his word. We, we know lots of parts of his character and, and we listen to lots of sermons and we take notes and, and we hear a lot of uh, people smarter than ourselves explain who God is and what the Christian life is all about. I mean, what has happened to our wonder of our all-powerful and ever-present creator? I think we need to recover the wonder of wonder. What is wonder? Well, the Hebrew, uh, the word in Hebrew for the word wonder is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, his name shall be called Wonderful. That word wonderful there means to distinguish, to separate. It's the idea of that which is unique or distinguished by difference. Uh, In our English translations, it is translated hidden, marvelous, too high, too hard. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, similar uh, English words are amazement, marvelous, admiration, wonderful work, something strange. Wonder is, is so much more than a passing emotion or a shallow feeling, which we can sometimes get when we sing a song that draws us in emotionally, right? We have to be sure that emotion is, is pure and genuine. It's, it's coming actually from, from our awe of our creator and not from the incredible rift that the electric guitar player just played. See, it's not about the music. It's about my heart and my attitude and where I am before God. And we need to remember that. Worship involves wonder, the wonder of wonder. Warren Wiersbe says it like this, and I really like this. So I, can you hand me that book, dear? Uh, There's this book called Real Worship. It's by Warren Wiersbe. Uh, second edition is the newest edition. I've had it on my shelf for a long time. If this, if this topic of worship really intrigues you and you want to study more, um, this is a great book. Uh, he does a lot of good challenging, um, challenges our thinking when it comes to worship. But this is what he says. We seek to see the invisible, know the unknowable, comprehend the incomprehensible and experience the eternal. That's part of our relationship. That's what our relationship with Christ is like. We want to see the invisible and know the unknowable, comprehend the incomprehensible and experience the eternal. Like David, we thirst after God and we're satisfied and dissatisfied at the same time. Like Moses, we cry out for his glory, all the while knowing that our mortal eyes could never behold God's glory in its fullness. Like Peter, we wrestle with the tension within. We want to follow him, and yet we cry out, depart from me, for I am a sinner. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Worship begins with wonder. The wonder of wonder itself, how thrilling it is that we who have been made in the image of God can participate in our wonder of our creator. We maintain a childlike spirit and an attitude of humility that says, oh my God and my Lord and my King, why why have you chosen me? 
Why did you call my name? Why have I responded to you in faith and belief? Why have you saved me? Me. Though I know that you have told me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, God, thank you. The way that you have created all things. He he has created all things. Psalm 8.4, David says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Yet he does. Worship begins with wonder. Why would he do that? He did. He did. How thrilling it is to participate in wonder. He is mindful of him. And what is our response to him when we recognize that I am just a sinner saved by grace? She be worship, right? Worship involves wonder. Worship also involves the wonder of our creator. Uh, If you would turn to uh, Revelation chapter 4 with me, please. Revelation chapter 4. And I think that we can learn something from the hosts of heaven when they are worshiping. And what they are saying as they are worshiping. Now, the disciple John wrote revelation. Revelation was just that, a revelation. God gave him a revelation. God gave him a vision, put him right in heaven, if not in actuality. He saw, he got a glimpse in. Revelation 4, verses 1 through 11. After this, John says, I looked And there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. 
and by your will they were created and have their being. Wow. Yes. What an incredible scene. God created angels. God created those beings who I wonder about those beings themselves, but those beings who were wonderful in their own right were bowing before and worshiping their creator. The angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. Ah, the vastness of space, the intricacies of nature, the mystery of conception and birth. The beauty of the sunrise and sunset and all the mountains and animals and weather in between. God did all that. We can't possibly send some sort of spaceship or rocket to the end of the universe. It's that big. Yet God is present in all of it. Everywhere. And if we look at all of those things in amazement and we aren't drawn into worship of the creator and we only be passionate about the things we've missed out. We've missed out. See, what we see in creation depends on what we have in our hearts, where our passions lie. Where, I, where our priorities lie. Whenever we're enjoying creation or observing creation, let's take time to worship and acknowledge the one who put those things there. Right? God wants us to have joy. He wants us to experience good things in life, to have fun. But as we do, may we not just do those things under the sun. May we worship him as we do. Thank him, surrender to him, bow down before him, raise your hands and lower your hearts and attitudes. Worship is the wonder of our creator. Worship is also the wonder of our redeemer. Turn over to Revelation chapter five. There's a wonder of God in redemption. Chapter five, verses nine and 10. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And verse 12, in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Oh, the wonder. Jesus Christ, our Savior, God, became a man for crying out loud. That is unreal to me. How do we make sense of that? We can't, right? We can't get our arms around that. Where does that leave us? It leaves me feeling kind of small. But God loves me. He's mindful of me. So in, when I'm feeling small, what I need to focus on is his, his size, his bigness, his love, his redemption. We need to worship God for saving us. Oh, the wonder of our 
Redeemer Jesus Christ. Oh, the wonder of the reality of who he was and what he did. Romans 11, 34 and 30 through 36. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? <laughs> who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The wonder of our creator, the wonder of our redeemer, and the wonder of our king. Flip to Revelation chapter 11, 17 and 18. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. According to these worshipers, they are worshiping Jesus, our King, for three things. He reigns supremely. He he is in charge. He is the king. He is our master. We must bow down to him and submit to him. He judges righteously. We don't like to be judged, but we need to be judged. He is generous in his judgment. And we can trust him in his judgment because we can know that he will always be right. Not like us parents who try to guess the intentions of our children. He knows ours. Not like us parents who make mistakes sometimes. Well, I wish I hadn't have done that. God never, ever utters those words. His, his judgment is always righteous and just. And number three, Christ rewards righteously. He is generous and full of grace and mercy. We can fully trust him. Oh, the wonder of our king. Oh, the wonder of our King. Praise be to Jesus. May all my praise and my glory go to him. The wonder of our creator, the wonder of our redeemer, the wonder of our King, and finally, the wonder of the bridegroom. Turn to Revelation chapter 19, verses one through three. After this, John says, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And we lose some of the power of this in our English translations because as far as I can tell, the only place in the Bible, at least in the King James translation of the Bible, I didn't you know, look in any of the other translations, it, this is the only place where the, the word hallelujah is left in its original Hebrew form. Did you know that? That that word hallelujah is the Hebrew, it's just as it was said and written in AD 95 when John heard it. Everywhere else in the he everywhere else the Hebrew word hallelujah is translated as praise the Lord. Note to self, when I read praise the Lord in the Old Testament in a psalm, that's translating the word hallelujah. See, hallelujah means to praise or boast, and Yah or Jah is the name of God. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. 
We praise him. We should boast of him. God, because he, and let's read on in Revelation 19, beginning in verse 4. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the, the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people then the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb And he added, these are the true words of God. And at this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he, the angel, said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. We worship God. Because he has called us and is calling us to be in relationship with him. John was so carried away by his heavenly worship that he fell at the feet of an angel. You see, as a Christ follower, one who has surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we are the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom come to take us home. He is our protector, he is our savior. We surrender our wills to him. We sur- and, and, and in the way that we surrender our wills to him, we serve others. We, we serve others. We are obedient to his word. There's so many different ways that our worship can be manifested. I wish I had more time this morning. Our priorities, our attitudes, that's where it starts. The better we know the word of God, the better we will know the God that's in the word. All throughout the Bible, wonder and worship are present in both demonstration and declaration. Mind and body and soul. Has God saved you? Worship him. Worship him. Psalm 77, 14 says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. The God of creation is the God of redemption. He is the king who reigns and and the conqueror who defeats every enemy. The better we understand these wonders, the better we shall wonder and worship him. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. God, I've been treading on holy ground here this morning by what I've been speaking of and who would dare to contemplate the wonder of you? God, give us strength that we might do just that. 
Who would dare to listen to the worshiping hosts in heaven around your throne? But you have revealed that to us. May we too bow before you in our hearts, in our minds, physically, emotionally. Father, I confess that you are wonderful in all that you are, in all that you do, in all that you say, in every word in your scripture. I see how far short I come in my own personal worship. Father, I pray that in the midst of studying and giving this message and in the coming weeks, you would help me to to grow as well in my worship of you. May those things of this world that have become so important to me fade in importance and worthiness compared to you. You are worthy. Receive our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving. And Father, in a moment, we're gonna do that with our voices and our thoughts and our hearts. And as we walk out of here this morning and we give of our tithes and our offerings, we are worshiping you. We are submitting ourselves to you. We are holding you up as the one who provides. As we work at our jobs, we, we worship you doing well at what you have gifted us and talented us to do. As we sit at home and wonder where the food is gonna come from and where the income is gonna come from and we trust you, we hold you up as high. We worship you. Thank you for this opportunity this morning to worship you together in Jesus' name, amen.